Welcome to the Live Inspired Podcast. My name is Zahida Mohammadi and I am an emotional mastery and business mentor, boundaries expert, mum to two very special souls and the founder of the Live Inspired Academy. If you are looking to upgrade your relationships, your business and your life and yourself, then this is the place for you. Nothing fires me up more than helping people overcome their limits, discover their gifts, reconnect to their authenticity, their natural fitra, the unique way that they connect to others and their creator so that they can bring those gifts into the world and live with purpose and passion. And that is what this podcast is all about. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of inspiration to help you connect to all the possibility and potential that exists within you. Here, you'll find all the tools, resources, strategies, and teachings that you need on your self-development journey. Thank you for choosing to be here. Let's get inspired. Recently, I asked you guys on my Instagram, to ask me any question you want about relationships, marriage, boundaries, parenting, anything to do with emotional intelligence and emotional wellness and mental health. And today is the day that I'm going to be answering those questions. So the questions that came through are really interesting ones. And I think you're definitely going to find value in this episode as I answer these questions. So I'm going to try and get through as many questions as I can while still not keeping this episode too long. Um, I also want to put a disclaimer in here. And the disclaimer is, you know, I put a Q&A box on my Instagram. By the way, if you're not following me on Instagram, make sure that you are at liveinspiredza because I share tons of free content on relationships, on boundaries, on living your life from a God-centered place and just things that are really, really going to help you on your self-development journey and taking care of your mental health needs. So a disclaimer I'm going to put here is that I asked you guys for your questions in the Q&A box on my Instagram. And, you know, obviously your characters are limited. So you ask some really good questions, but at the same time, I don't have the full context of your question. So what I mean by that is you've asked some questions, they're really good questions, they're questions that are going to be helpful to you, whoever asked it, and a lot of people. And obviously I'm keeping this anonymous. I'm not letting you know who asked the question, but it's a gen- I'll only be able to give a generic kind of answer. If you know, you're someone who wants to go a little bit deeper and you want a more nuanced answer that is more suited to your particular situation, then you should consider joining one of my programs, either Relationship Revolution or Boundaries Revolution, where we have regular live interactive mentorship and coaching Q&A calls. And you can bring forward a question and give all of the context and the nuance, and I'll be able to give answers and perspectives that are going to be especially for you and your situation. So without further ado, just know that if you have a similar situation to the person who has asked a particular question, there are nuances. Your context might be different to theirs. I don't have the full context of their situation. So I'm going to give a generic overall answer that is based on my, you know, almost a decade of experience of facilitating thousands of clients and students. Okay, so let's start with the first one. The first question is, how how do you handle a situation when you are emotionally triggered? 
And the same person then goes on to ask, how do you stay unaffected when your feelings are hurt? How do you feel the feelings, process it, move forward? This is a question I think all of you will be able to relate to, I myself as well. It's one of the reasons I actually got into this work. Growing up, I was always told that I am quote unquote, too sensitive, that I feel too much. And, you know, it wasn't a nice feeling to have to think, like, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel something so much? Like someone hears something and they're unaffected by it. and I'm so affected by it. And this is something that I see in my clients and my students as well. So we live in a society that doesn't make it easy to feel your feelings. And sometimes we get shamed for our feelings. Sometimes we shame ourselves for our feelings. Sometimes we get judgmental of ourselves. We'll say things like, but you know, I have so much to be grateful for and I need to be positive and I need to look at the good in my life. Why am I letting this one little thing that this person said or did affect me on this level? And it can be quite frustrating because you know where you want to be. You know that you want to be able to just get through this feeling, get to a better place, be grateful again, and just not let this person bring down your vibe. Because let's face it, no matter how good you are to people, somewhere in your life, either your partner or your family or your siblings or your in-laws or your colleagues or a friend even, someone is going to make you feel a certain type of way by things that they say or do. And they might do that intentionally or unintentionally. Maybe they didn't even mean to hurt you, but you feel hurt. And now you're sitting there going, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? Well, I'll tell you what people commonly do. And this is something I see very, very commonly for people who come into my Relationship Revolution program is after years of dealing with this and not having the tools to be able to actually process those emotions, you'll find that you say, you know what? It's just better to be on my own. It's just better to be my, on my own. It's just better to just keep a distance from people, not allow myself to get too close to anyone because when I do, I get hurt and I'm tired of getting hurt because I cannot control what people say or do, but I'm also tired of the way they make me feel through their words and actions. Now, the problem with this is, is isolation, loneliness. You don't get to have one of your biggest human needs fulfilled, which is connection. Yes, all of us have a need for connection. It doesn't matter how independent you are. It doesn't matter how self-sufficient you are. It doesn't matter how capable and resourceful you are. At the end of the day, all of us, no matter how healthy your self-esteem is, we all crave human connection. And we all want to experience the benefits of healthy human connection. A key part of this is to be able to regulate your own emotions. So what I mean by that is very often we try to squash the emotion completely. When something makes you feel a certain way and you're uncomfortable with that emotion, maybe it's anger, maybe it's hurt, maybe it's grief, you just get so, you know, not wanting to feel that feeling that you might just altogether try and suppress it. And I commonly hear people say, well, how can I control my feelings? And to me, that's a clear indication that you just want to kind of squash it aside. And so a very common thing that people do is they suppress the feelings, except it doesn't go anywhere. And an example that I often like to use is imagine like you have some mess in your home and you have this one cupboard and you just keep stuffing st things into this cupboard and you keep on pushing it away. And so it looks like everything is clean, but there's this cupboard with a whole lot of stuff and it's piling up. And at some point, this cupboard is now like just exploding with stuff. And you are getting more and more anxious because you know that at some point you have to clean this cupboard. 
And it's a similar thing with our emotions. The longer you suppress your emotions for, the more they actually build up and they can build up into things like in the long term, like anxiety, uh, depression, even loss of motivation, and they can even manifest into actual physical symptoms. So recently in one of my programs, in my Boundaries Revolution program, there was one particular person who was experiencing exactly this. And she realized while she was in the program that because she was suppressing her emotions for so long and trying to glaze over everything and always pretend that everything is okay, it actually manifested in very real physical symptoms that would not go away. It resulted in anxiety in her relationship, social anxiety, her wanting to avoid certain people all the time and feeling like maybe she just had to cut certain people out. When she learned the tools that she did in Boundaries Revolution and she had the support and so on to do that through the program, she actually found that she was able to process a lot of these emotions that had just been piling up in her, you know, in her body mind. And the release of that brought a lot of relief, alhamdulillah, and was quite frankly, life-changing for her. So suppressing our emotions does not work. Cutting off people and avoiding all interaction doesn't really work either because then you miss out on having that connection with other people. So how do you then stay unaffected when these things come up? The key here is to learn the tools of processing your emotions. And this is something that's simple, but not always easy. A lot of us grew up in environments where we did not learn how to process our emotions in a healthy way. We mostly learned to either suppress our feelings, so just push them down and hope that they would go away. But then, like I said, they pop back up into other manifest physical manifestations of illness and so on. Or we learned to project our feelings onto others. And what I mean by that is, if you felt a certain way, you would take out that emotion on another person, right? Neither of these is healthy for you or your relationship or your connection with your creator. So emotional processing is actually a really, really important part of not just your relationship with other people, not just your mental health, but also your connection with your creator. Over and over in the Quran, we see parables of prophets, peace be upon them, who were the strongest of people in faith, but they had to grapple with some really difficult emotions. We have the example of Yaqub and he felt so much grief at losing his beloved son, Yusuf that he cried for years and years to the extent that he actually lost his eyesight. And he's, you know, I, when you think about that, you know, it makes you realize that having human emotions is such a normal thing to be expected because if even the prophets went through it, peace be upon them, we are definitely going to go through it. So there are various tools that you can use and you can learn through emotional processing. But one of the biggest hurdles that you're going to have to overcome is letting go of your judgment around your feelings and giving yourself full permission to feel your feelings and then from there find viable solutions. And for the nitty gritty of that, we go in depth into it in my Relationship Revolution and Boundaries Revolutions program. We have certain muraqabas, we have step-by-step -step protocols to actually help you process those uncomfortable emotions. We even have something that's very special called FAF. And it's a protocol that I designed specifically 
for the Boundaries Revolution program. And it is truly, truly life-changing. A lot of our, my members come through and tell me how much it has changed their ability to process the, their own emotions and thereafter calmly deal with certain situations that they would have either exploded in or run away from. Once you do process the feeling, then you're in a place to come up with viable solutions, to deal with it in a logical way. And very often, a lot of us want to skip over this part. We want to skip the emotional processing and go straight into solution finding. But we both know that when you are upset and when you are emotionally triggered, you actually can't think rationally. And there's a biological reason for this. When you are in a heightened emotional state, you are, you are limited in using the more logical problem-solving areas of your brain. You're largely in your survival mode. You're actually operating from the area of your brain that is wired for survival. And the area of your brain that's actually wired for solutions and creative creativity and lateral thinking, that area is actually shut down. So you have to learn the skill of processing those emotions. And it might be, you know, looking at your self-care rituals, resolving certain traumas, letting go of your judgment around having feelings, using zikr and Quran and worship in a way, strengthening your relationship with your creator and so on and so forth, which is a lot of what we work with in my programs as well. And we find new ways to do that that you might not have actually thought of before. So I love this question because learning how to process your emotions is an integral part of healthy, you know, mental health, like a good mental health state, and also having healthy functional relationships. And the more you are actually able to process your emotions, to emotionally regulate, the better you will be at parenting, the easier you will find parenting, the more you will find it actually impacts your marriage positively and impacts all of your relationships positively, inshallah. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Let's see. Okay, so I'm just looking through these questions and looking at which is the, which is the next one I want to go through. So the next question, how do you get closure from a relationship that has ended with a narcissistic person? So she's asking here that she's ended this relationship with a narcissistic person, but she doesn't feel like she has closure. Now, I'm going to give a very, very different spin on this. The closure, closure that you are seeking is with yourself and within yourself. After dealing with a narcissistic person, there's a lot of trauma that you have actually been through, quite likely. And... In order to be with a narcissistic person and be in a relationship with them, you will find that you're a person that probably struggles with boundaries, struggles with self-esteem, even though you might even come across as very confident. And I've seen this over and over that you have someone who comes across as extremely confident. But deep down inside, there are certain insecurities that you have that the narcissist was able to play on and manipulate you through. So there is a whole healing process, even though you have left the situation and you are no longer with, longer with the narcissistic person, your work is not done. There's a whole healing process that you now have to go through. And some of the unresolved things within you that actually you are seeking closure through, for might be questions like, how did I allow this to happen? Why did this go on for so long? Why didn't I choose differently? 
Why did I allow him or her to do that to me for so long? How am I going to ensure that I don't allow this pattern to repeat again in a future relationship? These are good questions to ask yourself. And all of the answers are within you. And what I mean by that is it comes down to your own internal processing. It might be that you have certain traumas to resolve. It might be that you need fundamentally different tools in your communication, in the way you approach your relationships. Maybe you need some boundaries for yourself first and then in your relationships. Maybe you think you're setting healthy boundaries, but they're not actually healthy boundaries that are serving you or your relationships. So the answer to this is if you want closure from a relationship that has ended with a narcissistic person, this is the time to really work on the relationship that you have with yourself. A big part of this is getting to know who you are, how you respond, and how you co-created that dynamic. Now, by no means am I saying that the person who behaved in a narcissistic way, you know, they weren't at fault in some way. They, they probably were. Look, I don't know the situation, so I can't say for sure. But if it is as you say it is, then they obviously have some responsibility to bear. But at the end of the day, every relationship we have is a reflection of the relationship that we have with ourselves. And if the state of our relationships are not healthy and not functional, it doesn't mean you are a bad person. You might go out of your way to be kind and compassionate to other people. But there are certain patterns that you might have that are causing you to get entangled and attracted to these narcissistic personality types. And you absolutely do have to do some internal work to ensure that you avoid and you're able to see and identify those red flags beforehand so that you don't get into the same situation again, so that you have a whole different toolbox to use in your future relationships. Next question is, should we trust a husband who has lied to us over and over and says he will change? I'm sure there's a lot of you that can actually relate to this, or you know someone who is in a similar situation. So obviously, I do not know this person, and I do not know their marriage or the context of their marriage. Here's the, here's the answer I'm going to give. It depends. It depends, because if I'm asking you to trust me and saying that, you know what, yes, I've lied to you, yes, I've hurt you, but I'm going to change, then what indication am I giving you? What does change mean? Look, nothing changes if nothing changes. What do I mean by that? Well, if I do the same old thing, I'm going to get the same old result. Just because I say I want things to be different doesn't mean they're magically going to become different. Your husband, the choices that he is making come from him, right? There's a certain pattern of behaviors that he has and a certain certain underlying reasons within him why he chooses those behaviors. Now, if he wants to make a fundamentally different choice, if he maybe he really means it, maybe he does, I don't know him again. Let's, let's assume that he actually means it, that he actually does want to change his behavior. Well, in order to, I can say, okay, you know what? I want to run a marathon. In three months time, I want to run a marathon. But there's no way that I can wake up on the day of the marathon and go and run it. It's just not going to happen. There are certain behaviors that I have to change within myself if I want to be able to run that marathon without 
injuring myself and actually finish, okay? There are certain behaviors that I have to develop, certain habits that I have to develop. There might be certain thought patterns and you know, resistances and fears I have to work through before I'm in a space where I can run that marathon and have a fair chance at finishing it and at not injuring myself, right? And if I've never ever run before, it's going to be a steep learning curve for me. So your husband is in a pattern of lying. He chooses to lie not necessarily, you know, sometimes we think people lie only because they are evil and bad and horrible and manipulative, but sometimes people have underlying reasons why they feel like lying is the only way that they can get what they want. It does not make it okay or justified, but there are certain underlying patterns, certain filters that he has, certain behavioral patterns that are causing him to choose to act in this manner. If he wants to do something very different, if he wants to be able to be honest, and stop his behavior of betraying you, then he's going to have to do a lot of internal work on himself. And if he doesn't do the internal work, then guess what? Nothing changes if nothing changes. So whether or not you should trust him really depends on what he shows you in terms of, is he doing anything different? Is he trying out anything different? Is he working on himself? Is he going for therapy and so on? Um, on my Instagram feed, you'll actually find a live that I did with a Muslim couple where the husband was actually uh, physically abusive to the wife. And they were actually able to turn the entire marriage around. He had gotten into a pattern. He loved his wife so much. And he didn't want to behave that way with her. Yet he would find every time there was a conflict, every time there was a trigger, he would become emotionally, he would become physically abusive. And the only way that he was able to change his behavior was by doing some really deep inner work. That was the only way that his behavior changed. And that changed their marriage and has brought them to the best part of their marriage. So can change happen in a marriage? Absolutely. However, it requires effort. It's going to require him and also you. And I highly encourage you to go and watch that live on my Instagram feed. Because it all the wife as well also had to do some internal work because again, they co-created that dynamic. It doesn't absolve him from the choices he made, but she had certain patterns and behaviors that was also creating dysfunction within the marriage. This is not to blame her for his actions, absolutely not, but we co-create those dynamics. Like I said, to answer the earlier questions about narcissism as well. If you and your husband want your marriage to be different, you're going to have to do different things and it's going to require internal work. And if there isn't that, then you can be sure that nothing will actually change. And we're going to go into the last question here. How do I explain to my son not to be the typical toxic Indian man, man child without insulting him? So the way that this question is framed is quite interesting, right? Um, because using the term toxic Indian man's child can be very insulting and triggering for a lot of people. So to start off, it depends how old your son is. If your son is younger, then there's a lot more that you can do because you can still kind of influence and help shape um, the kind of person that he becomes, right? Uh, in terms of this. But if your son is older, it's going to be quite different as well. So age is to be taken into consideration. The second thing is, 
what do you mean by toxic Indian man-child? Do you have a clear idea of what kind of toxic behaviors you don't want your son to have? And then again, whether or not you're able to do something about it, age does play a factor because if he's an older person now, you know, it's his prerogative. You might not have that much influence over his decisions or choices. And uh, he might not actually be open to your feedback on this, right? And the third thing, the, the next part I would look at is identify what is what do you feel is a toxic behaviors and what are the healthier ways in which he could approach things? So how do you want things to be, you know, how, how would you suggest he does things differently? So for example, let's use a simple example. Let's just say he doesn't pick up after himself and he expects you or the other females to do that for him. Common examples that we see in our society sometimes. Then obviously the healthier ways would be, hey, take responsibility for your own stuff and pick up. And so maybe if it's a younger child, you'd kind of make that the norm in the home. You wouldn't ask the other you know, daughters or his sisters to pick up after him. Maybe you would have certain healthy consequences in, but it comes down to a fundamentally different parenting approach. And this requires a multi-layered approach because the way that we parent is a reflection of our own, uh, our own self-healing and our own growth. The further we go in our own self-healing, the more we are able to show up as compassionate parents, but also parents that can create enough of a boundary to guide our children uh, in terms of how we, you know, what we feel is helpful for them. That being said, we don't have con complete control. We know even from the examples of the prophets, peace be upon them, some of them had children that were wayward. And these were the people that were, you know, Allah's chosen people. They were very, very strong in their iman. They were very strong in their faith, but they still, they did the best they could, but they still had children that, you know, didn't necessarily walk a path that they would have chosen for them. So taking all of that into account. So this is quite a complex question. And it's one that we would be able to go so deeply into in my relationship uh, revolution or boundaries revolution program in, during the live calls that we have. And if that's something that you're interested in looking at, you know, um, enrollment for boundaries revolution opens up in June, July this year, inshallah. So keep an eye out for it. Otherwise relationship revolution, we have a current round, but enrollment is already closed. So keep an eye out for future enrollments. But these are the kinds of questions that we're able to go so much deeper into in these programs, because I can give you step-by-step, step, we create frameworks and there's a lot of value in them, alhamdulillah. So I really enjoyed ask, uh, answering these questions with you. I hope that you found value in these answers. I hope that you gained some perspective and insight. And as always, if you did find it valuable, please feel free to share this episode with someone else that you think that could, uh, could benefit. And please feel free to drop me a DM on Instagram or leave a comment here below. Let me know how you found this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast channel. You can also find me on YouTube, Zahida Mohammadi. You can find me on Instagram at Love Inspired Today. You can find me on TikTok, Zahida Mentor. So each kind of platform has its own kind of content that you might find valuable. If you enjoyed today, today's episode, you will definitely find content there that you find valuable and helpful. Till next time, stay inspired.